I, I wonder if you've ever considered, um, what is God like? How do we know? Of course, there are people who would say we cannot know. We can't know what God is like, they would say, for all our churches, for all our uh, Christmas carols, for all our uh, theological books. When we talk about God, we're really just projecting our highest ideals into the heavens. God is a, a product of our imaginations, they might say, or he sounds um, and looks like whoever's talking about him, they might say. And so, to Westerners, God looks surprisingly Western. But to Chinese people, God is really very Chinese. And to conservatives, he's a conservative. And to liberals, he's a liberal. And everyone sees God as just a little bit bigger, a little bit better than themselves. It's really themselves projected into the heavens. And all that suggests that if there is a God, nobody can really know what he's like. Nobody can really know what he's like. He's too hidden. He's too mysterious. Which is why one of the most embarrassing mistakes you can make in a sort of multicultural place like Hong Kong or or like many cities of our world is, is to speak and to make claims with certainty about God. Because how do you know what God is like? How can we know what he's like? You have your beliefs, I have mine, and it's better if we just keep quiet about that so that we don't upset one another. Faith is a private thing, something that polite people keep quiet about in public. But the Christmas story says something very different to that. It says to us that God is not hiding. He's not mysterious. He isn't a product of our imaginations, and and, and he's not like us. Instead, he has very publicly, very definitively made himself known. The whole story shows that. I I mean, you're familiar with the story, the, the shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night, and glory shines around them, a heavenly choir of angels sing and declare that this child is born. Don't let the familiarity of that story fool you. That is not normal. How many of you have ever seen something like that? I certainly haven't. It's why the wise men, when they they followed their star from afar, you know that bit of the story, uh, they they saw that the heavens themselves themselves were pointing them to a crib. Now, that is not normal. That is not something that happens every day. God had made himself known. And and when Mary gave birth to a baby boy and, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn, well, that was the arrival of God in the flesh, according to the Christmas story. He announced himself in the cries of a newborn baby. You can't ignore the cries of a newborn baby. If you've been on a flight recently, you know that you can't ignore it, even if you wanted to. God didn't want to be ignored. He didn't want to be hidden. He didn't want to be mysterious. He wanted to be seen and heard and embraced and known and adored. 
And so he came into the world as a baby. The one thing we can't ignore. And around him gathered the lowly and the lofty, the uh, animals and the angels, the people who were nearby in the fields watching over their flocks, the people who were from far off in the distant east. As though the whole universe was, was organized and set just so in a kind of cosmic nativity story. Now that's Christmas. The Christmas story shows that God has made himself known publicly, definitively. But it doesn't merely show that he's made himself known. It also shows us who has made himself known. Not merely that he is, but who he is. One of Jesus' closest friends and disciples, uh, John, he was a man who lived and traveled with Jesus for a number of years um, and knew him very well. He helps us to understand what Christmas is about, what it shows us about who God is when he writes this. I'll put it up on the, the screen here for you. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And this morning, I just want you to see one wonderful truth from these two verses. That Christmas shows us God's love is for unlovely people. Christmas shows us that God's love is for unlovely people. We all know that real love is shown in actions. So I tell my wife, Catherine, I tell her almost every day, probably, I love you. I probably say it multiple times, depending on uh, how bad I'm feeling about one thing or another. And yet, when I keep putting off the DIY projects that she's been asking me about for months, or when I'm too lazy to go and hang up the laundry and, and put on the dehumidifier, or when I forget to grab things from the shop that she's asked me to, uh, or when I do all sorts of other things that irritate her, she rightly begins to question, are these just words? She doesn't feel very loved. They're empty words without actions. She rightly expects me to show love in what I do. And Christmas shows us God's love is not empty words. His love is shown in his actions. This is how God showed his love, says John. The Bible tells us that the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, had existed in a relationship of love with one another for all of eternity, before creation. But out of their love, they, they created the world. They created us. God made us in his image. He designed us to relate to him and to one another in love. God exists in a relationship of love. We're designed to exist in a relationship of love with him, with one another. But rather than living as we were made to live, we became suspicious of God. We became hurtful to one another. From the first humans down to today, humanity altogether has rebelled and embraced what the Bible calls sin. 
sin. It, sin is, if, if you're not familiar with, with the word or, or with the, the idea, sin is every thought, word, and deed that uh, is, is in the attitude of um, shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your rules, S-I-N. Anything that we do or, or say or, or think that tells God we want nothing to do with him, we are our own rulers. And far from a life of love, sin like that leads to all sorts of broken relationships. It leads to all sorts of uh, loneliness, harm to ourselves and, and to others. And ultimately, it leads to death. Because what else could you expect when, when you reject the author of life? What could you expect but, but death? So sin is a, a terrible problem. And it's not just a problem out there. It's a problem in here and in here. In my life, in yours. Why is it that as we get together with uh, friends and family at Christmas, uh, to feast, to exchange gifts, to enjoy the most wonderful time of the year, why is it that we often end up annoyed and arguing with loved ones? At such a joyous time, feasting and fellowship and argument. Why does it sometimes feel like a relief when we stop spending so much time together and we start going back to work and back to school, uh, finally? Now, why is that? Why do I mistreat my loved ones? Why do I respond with indifference to the needs of others? Why? Do I glory in the idea of revenge over small offenses? It's because I have a sin problem. I'm a rebel against God, and, and I take it you are as well. But the astonishingly good news of Christmas is that God has acted in history because uh, he, he cares about us. He loves us, according to John. He wants to bring us out of our rebellion. And this is how God showed his love among us, verse 9. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. God the Father sent his one and only Son into the world on a rescue mission to people who were walking in deep darkness, in the deep darkness of sin and death, Jesus Christ was born, bringing life and immortality to light. In his life, he, he showed us how we were meant to live, the, the loving way that we were meant to relate to one another, relate to God as Father, relate to one another as brothers and sisters. He showed that. He lived it. No one had ever been more loving than him. No one had ever been as compassionate as he was. He loved the needy. He cared for the poor. He embraced the outcast. But he came to be much more than a good example to us. He came to free us from our sin and all its consequences. And that's what verse 10 is telling us. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. At Christmas, God 
came down. But that wasn't the end of his descent. That was just the beginning of his descent. He kept coming further and further down, condescending. From the glory of heaven to a humble manger, the sinless one became subject to the plot of sinners. The eternal source of life allowed himself to be killed on the cross, and he did it out of love for unlovely people. What's the motive of the gift? You know, isn't a gift so much better when, when you know the motive behind it? If you know that somebody doesn't care about you, but they give you some wonderful thing, well, that, I mean, that's okay. But if somebody loves you and they give you something, then you think, oh, this is, this is wonderful. Even if maybe you wouldn't have purchased the sweater for yourself. You, you are grateful because it comes from somebody who loves you, and knowing the motive of God in Christmas makes all the difference. He did it out of love. For everything that you've done in rebellion against God, he stood in your place. He took your punishment. On the cross, Jesus bore the wrath of God against our sin so that we could receive the love of God. That is love. Not that we loved God. We are unlovely. We, we generally do not love God. But that he loved us. He died that we might live. And, and friends, if you hear this today and you haven't laid the sin in your life on him, well, let today be the day. If you aren't certain that God's wrath has fallen on him rather than you. Let today be today, the day. He came to atone for the sins of all who would believe in him. He died the death that you deserve so that you can live the life that he deserves. One of love, of fellowship, of joy. An eternal life which begins now extends into eternity, into the future loving relationship with God and with people. It's what you were made for. It's what he wants for you. It's the loving gift he's given. So how do we know what God is like? Well, he's shown us. He's shown us in Christmas. We know he publicly, definitively revealed himself. And what did he reveal about himself? That he is loved. He revealed his love by sending his son to give us life. So that's worth rejoicing about, isn't it? That's worth all the pomp and, and circumstance of Christmas, isn't it? A gift means so much more when you know the motive behind it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that Although we have been unlovely, you sent your son for us. Thank you that it, you did it in a way that we can't ignore, that here, thousands of years later, where the whole world still seems to be celebrating it, declaring it, singing about it, not only in churches, but in malls, on the radio, wherever. Lord, thank you that you came in a public, undeniable way, and Lord, I pray that we would rejoice with our families over that this year.
that our own hearts would be full of joy and, and of love for you and for one another because of the love that you've shown. And I pray your blessing on us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.